0: Welcome to episode 213 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. In this episode, I will be talking to Blythe Haynes. But first, you remember last week I told you about this bad cough that I had. I mean, I... have coughed before on this this show, but in the last couple of episodes, the last a few of the episodes you're gonna hear coming up, it's a really bad cough. I got a cold, it hit the lungs, it sat there for a while, rattled around and and it 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 sort of stuck with me. And then earlier last week I I coughed and I pulled a muscle in my back. And then late on I think it was Tuesday night. Yeah, it was Tuesday night, I was walking home and I coughed again and all of a sudden I felt a pop. In my back, and it wasn't my back; it was a rib. And I ended up uh, at the hospital for a few hours. And it turns out that the pulled muscle, when I coughed, pulled on the rib and pulled the rib and fractured it just, just the the the, the tiniest amount. And so, uh, the last little while has been a bit painful. And I was going to on a little writing retreat to Quebec City just before, the, just after this happened. And so, it was a bit of a, a bit of an experience. I have never. Prayed for no turbulence so hard as when that plane to Quebec City uh, took off. Fortunately, it was fine. And I didn't know this, but about all you can do for a little fracture of the rib like that is uh, take Advil. So that was that was an experience um, that I don't care to repeat. I'm on the mend now, I and uh, I'm back from Quebec City, which was great. I got a lot of writing done, which is amazing. And that was quite the experience. Have you have you ever done something like that? Have you ever like fractured something that can't be can't be bound? Like you know, I've fractured a toe before, but never never a rib. So that was that's a thing that happened, and I'm not I, I'm not sure how to, to to feel about that. Actually, I know how to feel about that. It's not not good. Um, but you know, tell me about that. I'd love I'd love to hear about your your broken whatever stories. Um, you can find me on uh, 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 on. Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at stageworthypod. You know, the website is stageworthypodcast.com. And you know what? If you're looking for me, you can find me, uh, uh, Phil Rickaby, at at, at, um, uh, at Phil Rickaby on Twitter and Instagram. And my website is philrickaby.com. As I mentioned, my guest is Blythe Haynes. Blythe is a Toronto-based actor and producer and one of the co-founders of Gangway Theatre. This summer, she found herself the host of a podcast and on the road to the Edinburgh Fringe. We talked about how both of those things came about, what the learning curve was like for starting a podcast from scratch, as well as the entire Edinburgh experience. So you got. Uh, 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 we, I mean, we've been we've been talking a little bit about about your adventures in podcasting and how <laughs> how you 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 came into this this project with the Judith Thompson Thompson play Watching Glory Die mm-hmm. to do a podcast for them. That was going to be what was it weekly, monthly originally? It was like, um,
1: weekly uh-huh. uh, for June and July.
0: Uh-huh and then daily while at the Ed- Edinburgh fringe.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: so when <laughs> and and when you said no, when you said yes to that, you didn't know how to how to podcast. No. No. <laughs> um and you uh um didn't know how much work it was going to be.
1: Not like actual actually, actually yeah. I kn- I knew it was I knew it was going to be hard yeah. and I knew it was going to be a lot of work. Yeah. For sure. Which, you know, beggars the question. Was. Why did you say yes? Yeah.
0: That would that would have been my next question. So if you, going into this, what, what made you say yes, this is the thing I'm going to do? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, well, I suppose I should explain that. So the show Watching Glory Die um, was being presented by the Windsor Feminist Theater mm-hmm. and... The producer from that, uh, I know. Mm-hmm. And she had said, hey, you have a theater company and you are doing a lot of producing work. Mm-hmm. So why don't you come as part of this producing internship that, mm-hmm. that we're doing? And so I said, sure. Great. You know, I'm going to go to uh, Edinburgh. Fantastic. Have you ever been
0: that. to Edinburgh before? No. Okay.
1: okay. No. Um, like... Most people had heard about it. Mm -hmm. I heard it was like all fringes, but on crack. Yes. and Well, no, steroids, I would say. Yes, yes. And I thought, wow, that's a great opportunity to learn more about producing, to go to Edinburgh, Mm -hmm. to uh, work with Judith Thompson, Mm -hmm. because she was directing the show as well. This is great. Mm -hmm. And so I said, yes. Mm -hmm. And then the producer came to me and said, hey, you have... Uh, experience with podcasts and I said well, I mean yes Uh and if by experience with podcasts you mean voice work (laughs) as an actor then yes yes I do
0: do you know where they got the sense that you had experience with podcasts?
1: because they know that I've done voice work for podcasts
0: (laughs) okay but never like
1: I'd never produced or hosted one. Right. No. Right. So, you know, she's like, what do you think about a podcast Mm -hmm. for the show to chronicle its journey to the fringe? Mm -hmm. And I said, I mean, in theory, yes, I think that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. And then would you do it? Yeah. Uh, So, I don't know. I said, initially I said, well, I could figure out, Mm -hmm. and that might be interesting, you know, organizing Mm -hmm. and the producing angle of it, because I have done some things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Also another history of me saying yes to things I have no idea how to do. (laughs)
0: You know, because I've
1: sort of been tapped to do a web series that I (laughs) had to produce Mm -hmm. and um, write and Mm -hmm. film and, you know be on camera for which again was something that they were like could you do this you're a theater person (laughs) I went yes (laughs) so I have a history Uh of uh of getting myself Uh into things I have no idea how to do and I go great I'll learn how to do that yeah um so you know I kind of thought I I can do that but in terms of editing or Mm -hmm. any of the production side I am not super great at that so if someone else could do that part That will be great. Mm -hmm. So they said, great, well, we'll, I'll think about it and I'll I'll see if I can find anyone amongst the interns who has experience with audio stuff. I said, great, okay. So maybe, yeah, that'll be a a kind of a good learning curve. Um, And she did find someone. Mm -hmm. However, uh, I sort of realized as I was going through one of the many things I learned Mm -hmm. is that if I'm the one, because it's mostly, it's all interviews, really. If I'm the one creating it, um, and interviewing and things like that, I don't want someone else editing it. Yeah. Because they're not, you know, we're not in the same room. We're, we're not a team doing it. Yeah. it you, you know, it, you can't just hand it off to someone. So I ended up, which mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time, <laughs> actually having to do all of the editing right. and 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 just be a one-woman, you know, mm-hmm. shop, essentially. So I think, you know, who am I kidding? I probably would have said yes, you know, because I'm kind of a little, I'm a little... um strange like that i, I think
0: it, it sounds like you're the kind of person who when there's a challenge like you want to say yes then you figure you can learn it right yeah what is no there's nothing somebody could say can you do this and he'd be like of course i can do that and you'll figure <laughs> it out
1: later yeah <clears throat> I, I mean i think that um yeah I, I don't know i yeah i probably was just a little a little foolhardy however in the end mm-hmm. it happened yeah Uh, And I did learn about it Mm -hmm. and learned a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, And it was an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. So, and I met some incredible people and it gave me this really awesome purpose at the Fringe that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So, um, while it made me want to tear my hair out and (laughs) (laughs) there were some tears, Um, Mm -hmm. I'm still glad I did it. Um, But yeah, so I guess why I did it... I, I I didn't actually know as no one really can what yeah. that's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to learn a new skill mm-hmm. and um and yeah, I'm 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 a little reckless sometimes.
0: <laughs> um so you you went out, you got a mic, you got you learned how to you, you learned how to how to how to how to edit and all that stuff. And then yeah. you started doing so you were doing a monthly or weekly beforehand. Yeah. yeah. And then knowing that when you arrived in Edinburgh it was gonna be daily. Daily and you were only going to be there for like two weeks. Two weeks of the four week fringe.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah
0: four, three four week fringe. Like isn't I it?
1: don't really do math, so no. let's say yeah. from August second to August twenty sixth.
0: Practically four weeks. Let's yeah. go with that. So you were only going to. So you. How did you do a daily podcast like that? Yeah.
1: Um. Well. Uh, the first thing I, well, not the first thing, one of the things I did was I talked to you. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I, um, I would say actually, okay, the first thing I did going into knowing I was even going to be doing things Mm -hmm. was realize I knew nothing. And, um, so one of the things was I went to T Morris, who's a American, podcaster mm-hmm. and author that i know he quite literally wrote the book podcasting for dummies mm-hmm. that seemed like a good place to start it's an
0: excellent place to start
1: and i just went to tea and i mm-hmm. said tea uh i'm gonna be doing a-, a podcast that eventually will be once a day mm-hmm. and will have to be in edinburgh kind of on the streets of edinburgh what do I need? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's the one who pointed me in the direction of the Zoom H2N, which mm-hmm. I christened Zoomy. Mm-hmm. Um, which was one of the best. Yeah. One of like the there are a few bits of device that saved my life, but yeah. that's one, one of the big ones was having that mic because it really could go anywhere and it really was fantastic for picking up mm-hmm. audio in a bar or mm-hmm. in a cafe or on the streets of yeah. Edinburgh and I didn't have to worry so much about audio quality because I knew that it was gonna mm-hmm. it was gonna pick it up
0: yeah
1: uh so that was that was massive and it, and it was like you know a very small and it was mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. portable yeah so that was a huge thing
0: yeah. And you uh you you were like did you do most of your when you were in Edinburgh, did you do most of your podcasts like on the go, like sit down in an alley and set it up on little tripod and just sort of like talk to people or or in, in, in cafes, bars and things like that? Like
1: kind of both. Yeah. Um yeah, I would I had it with me all the time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it just popped in my backpack Mm -hmm. and I could literally just yank it out and start recording, Mm. which was a huge blessing because as you know, you and I talked is just getting content Mm -hmm. and making sure that it was all there. Uh, And even if I wasn't sure I could use it, just record it, record as much as I possibly could. Mm. And I just never knew when something was going to happen that was worthy of, of documenting. Right. Uh, so that was a huge, huge thing. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I, I did record in an alley, (laughs) (laughs) um, just happened to be where we were Mm -hmm. where something was happening. I recorded on the streets. I recorded in, um, an office. There was, uh, fringe tents. Like it was, yeah. Hmm. Um, restaurants, pub- bars, pubs, cafes, like it, it really was everywhere. So that was one of the huge things in preparing mm-hmm. was having a mic that was going to be able to go with me everywhere and was going to have a really good sound quality yeah. to it. Uh, so that was that was a big, big, big part of it. So uh, yeah, T. Morris was fantastic in telling mm-hmm. me everything that I needed as well as reading his book mm-hmm. on how to go about doing it and also how to interview people. Sure. So just having the confidence of of building up skills to know that I could go into any situation and mm-hmm. know how to actually talk to someone, which yeah. is a, a, something that is hard to do. And, and um, yeah, I really respect all, all these interviewers who are able to yeah. have their, their brain split in kind of many different ways, listening mm-hmm. to what the person's talking about so that you're able to ask questions and have it be a dialogue, but also have your brain kind of ticking through the questions you've prepared already.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that was just learning how to do that. So Mm -hmm. I could go, say, have a surprise interview that I didn't know that was going to happen. And I haven't had time to research Mm -hmm. them and just go in and go, okay, I'm here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so that was another big thing and just prepping to be able to go in and um, just have an episode come out every single day. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other thing I would say, other than just technological, well, I guess on the subject of tech, uh, was something as well that you were talking about. So, talk to Phil was mm-hmm. a huge thing. <laughs> Go, Phil!
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, was Ophonic. Oh,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Was being able to run audio through something to clean it up afterwards. Yes. Yeah. That was massive. Yeah. Um. So another thing not to worry about going, oh, am I in a sheltered spot or is this, you know, so to be able to really go wherever my subject was and where yeah. they wanted to be.
0: For what you were doing, that's super important to be, because you can't, you can't oh. be like, all right, so we're going to, because you're not from there. No. You don't know where the quiet places are. You can't be like, no. oh, you come to my place? And especially because you're like. Who knows where you were in Edinburgh in Mm. in comparison to everything else. You have to be able to to just go. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's super awesome.
1: That was huge Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. Um, So that's another preparation thing (laughs) that saved my butt Mm -hmm. on multiple occasions. Uh, And then also, again, just sitting with you in a coffee shop Mm -hmm. and plotting out the first, I think, 48 hours Mm -hmm. of me being there. Really set me up to succeed because I remember I still have the notes in my (laughs) notebook of, you know, you saying, okay, so you're going to record in the airports Mm -hmm. when you're leaving. You're going to edit on the plane. Mm -hmm. You are going to record right when you get there. And then you've already got two episodes and you're ahead. Yeah. And so that was a huge thing was just Mm -hmm. scheduling to be ahead. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm a big believer in being ahead. Yeah. That's one thing I've learned how to do is, like, don't record. Don't be, like, n- n- record and then release the next day. That's no way to, to I do mean, this.
1: I mean, there's sometimes
0: when you would have had to because yes. of what you were doing. Yeah. But... To so never have a bank of episodes or a couple of episodes that you can lean on is a terrible place to be in.
1: Absolutely. <clears throat> so that that was that was massive. Uh to be able to have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, sometimes I was having to respond to things in real time. Sure.
0: For example, when like the uh the the was it costumes and set didn't show or
1: Costumes and props.
0: Costumes and props did not make it to Edinburgh. No. Mm-hmm. I mean they
1: did eventually, but not in time for our first preview nor mm-hmm. opening night or afternoon, I should say. Yeah. Uh because that show was every day at 1 p.m. Right. So y- y- yeah, that's a that's a really perfect example mm-hmm. of, you know, um yeah, the the, the props and and, and costumes Air Lingus lingered as mm-hmm, we started saying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh and as it turned out, they were all still in Toronto. No. Yeah. It was a strange thing where at first they thought, because the when we flew over, we flew to Dublin. Uh-huh. Had a layover in Dublin, a lot of us. And then we went on to Edinburgh from there. Yeah. So they thought that it had first been left in Dublin, but it actually never left Toronto. <gasps> yeah. So, mm. Um. So yeah, I, I guess like we opened on August fourth mm-hmm. preview i think was on august 2nd or 3rd mm-hmm. we the the pro the 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 luggage was our sm's luggage literally showed up it was there after opening oh my god <laughs> so yes yeah, so that was something that we you know we all had to go out and find all of the stuff all over edinburgh mm-hmm. and there were things like a hockey helmet
0: easy to find in toronto
1: yeah, not, not so easy s- to no. find in Edinburgh. No. Yeah. Uh or like the, the the prison gown. Mm. Yeah. You know, um or like, you know, the fabric that was to make the ligature strips. Right. So we all, it was like this like citywide scavenger hunt. So uh-huh. I was going out to find the fabric. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was like, I found a place that was close to my flat. Mm-hmm. And so I had the mic out yeah. and I started recording. Just of course, me yeah. being there. Or mm-hmm. I was in the Tesco.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was in Tesco and just had it going. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what the legality is of me recording someone without them knowing. Probably not great, but it happened. And you couldn't tell who it was. No.
0: I think it's only an issue if you're like... So and so, who works at the Tesco on on Third Street, yeah. You know, you don't want to identify them that way.
1: Yeah, but, you know, but I, I had it out, yeah. and so I mean, and so uh, that episode though, I wanted it to go out uh, like the next day mm-hmm. because that was that was cool. It was real time. It was yeah. happening, uh, and so I was able to bump an episode. But it was mm-hmm. great because then I had another one in the bank.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: So yeah. that was uh, another really great preparation mm-hmm. thing is just to be able to have that kind of thing. And, yeah. and I did do what you said. I recorded mm-hmm. Waiting for the Plane. I recorded a very sleepy me in our layover. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that... Well, you didn't
0: sleep on the plane either, did you? No, I can't I think, really- I saw, I think I think I saw something on the Instagram that you were like, I didn't sleep on the plane. And
1: Well, it was... I didn't... No, I didn't really... It's hard to sleep on planes, I find. Mm-hmm. I'm really jealous of people who can sleep on planes. Man, I wish I could do that. Um, But we had a three-hour layover Mm -hmm. between um, our our Toronto to Dublin flight and Dublin to Edinburgh. And so Meg and I were, (laughs) like, trying to sleep on some chairs, but I just couldn't do it.
0: Nobody can never sleep on
1: chairs like that. Meg got a little bit, but I really couldn't. So I decided to podcast Mm -hmm. instead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, which, which I think really should have been... The watchword of just sort of my entire thing is just recording at odd moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I guess like those would be some of the the, the things that I, I prepared, right? To to do uh, was was seek out help because um, mm-hmm. I don't know what I was doing, uh, and get your technical side mm-hmm. set up so that you are able to just hit the streets quite literally running. Yeah. And and then plan out what, yeah. what those episodes are so you're able to bank but also respond in real time.
0: Yeah. Um so let's talk about the Edinburgh fringe. What was what's what's that like?
1: Oh man, um epic. <laughs> it's epic. <laughs> and everyone should go. Mm-hmm. I think. Um I would say straight up if you're doing a comparison between Toronto and Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um
0: I would never. I don't think I could possibly compare the two.
1: Well, in in terms of just like what's different, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, everything, but (laughs) but you know, Edinburgh has, I think, in this year it was three thousand four hundred shows. Yeah. Toronto has like one hundred fifty one this year. Last year was one hundred
0: fifty eight. But okay, yeah.
1: Um, Toronto has, I don't know, what, 25 venues? Something like something that. Something like yeah. that? I'm sorry, Toronto Fringe. I don't know how many venues there are, but something like that. I don't know how many Edinburgh has. Hundreds. Yeah. And one venue has something like, could have, like the big ones, like 200 shows. Well, doesn't
0: it. the Gilded Balloon have like a, a a bunch of the of spaces in it? Well, so,
1: like, in terms of the spaces... yeah. That's another big difference. Most of these spaces, as you can imagine, with three thousand four hundred shows, are not usual theater spaces. Right. So they section them off. Um right. so Watching Glory Die was in the assembly rooms. Mm-hmm. Those are quite literally the assembly rooms that, you know, like think Jane Austen, right? Yes, yeah. Watching Glory Die was in the ballroom. Right. Of the assembly room. Mm-hmm. There were chandeliers hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> really fun to light. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's how you can have like 200 shows in one venue is that you've you've taken these massive buildings and you've sectioned them off. Um, so that's a huge thing. And you've got ones in like weird spaces and pubs or bars or small cubicles or, you know, like it's really huge.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so that's kind of just to, to give, I guess, people an idea of the scale. If you've never really looked into it, that's huge. The other thing is that with the Canadian Association of Fringes, it's a lottery system. Yes. So, you know, you're, and then you are only paying a really small fee, essentially, mm-hmm. to be in that venue. With the Edinburgh Fringe, you find your venue. Yeah. You pitch your show to the venue and they have to accept you. And then you pay for the venue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, right away, that changes very yes. much. Yeah what you as a person wanting to bring a show to to the Edinburgh fringe like how much skin you've got in the game yeah it's a lot yeah um so that's a huge difference as well and um, also the, the Edinburgh fringe is much more a gateway it mm-hmm. isn't a destination if if that makes any sure. sense and what I mean by that is that those sh- the the reason a show goes to the Edinburgh fringe is much more to find a presenter right to have your show go elsewhere right whereas you know canadian fringes a lot of the the, the work tends to stay in the city that it originated from sure so a lot of like, there are definitely people who go on the circuit for sure of yeah. the canadian fringes but um a lot of them tend to stay here
0: yeah a lot of times uh people will do a show at the fringe and then they're sort of like well done now that's yeah that's that show
1: yeah. And, and I think that you're able to do that in a sense, mm-hmm. because in terms of financially, how much skin you've got in sure. the game is way less. Yes. Which yeah. is, I mean, it's brilliant and it's amazing. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you tell people in Edinburgh that, yeah, they're fringe back home. It's a lottery system and you don't have to pay for all of the stuff and mm. they're, go- they're gobsmacked. Of course. They go, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, um, it's just a very different, I think, mentality of, of what's going for it. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there's definitely a lot of, uh yeah there's definitely a lot of capitalism mm-hmm. kind of with that <clears throat> as well so it's not necessarily good or bad it's just different i think yeah um but it definitely is different in how the shows are marketed and, and the the advertising of the shows um yeah. and and how that what what that mentality is and these people who are going um the shows are usually shows that have had or at least the successful ones are shows that are not its first Fringe. Right. They've been doing Fringes. They've been on the circuit, um, and so they've mm. got really good reviews behind them. They have worked out all of the kinks of that mm. show. So you're still seeing new work, but it's a lot of times new work that has been produced quite a few times. Sure. Uh, so it's a well-oiled machine at that point, yeah. which is a big difference, I think, between a lot of the, the Fringes we have here in mm-hmm. Canada as well. Is sometimes a lot of times you do see shows. It's its first time yeah. ever being produced. Yeah. Which is something really lovely about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the Edinburgh Fringe, that becomes a liability because yeah. it's so it is about bums and seats, absolutely, but you're not going to expect making your money back. Yeah. In any, any way. It's much more about getting a presenter to come and then book your show. Yeah.
0: I have heard that that's that that if you're going to the Edinburgh fringe to make money, you're going for the wrong reason because yeah. you're not going to.
1: Yeah. Well and it's also really th- I mean, it's it's the idea as well of why are you doing this show? Sure. Why does it go to the Edinburgh Fringe? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a really good thing to think about. Yeah. Just in general mm-hmm. with any show you do is why am I doing it? And why am I doing it here in this city or in this theater? Specifically, yeah, that mm-hmm. rather than I want to do a show. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So I would say that's something I took away from it for sure Yeah, much more. I think it's something I'd maybe thought about, but going to the Edinburgh Fringe and seeing what it takes yeah. to get your show noticed, to, to have that publicity machine behind it, you have to be really specific about it Yeah. Uh, to be able to target who you're going to be marketing to as well. Um, because, yeah, you could go to the Royal Mile, which is really kind of the main thoroughfare. Mm-hmm of 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 fringe, keeping in mind that fringe is the entire city essentially. Yes. Um but the Royal mm. Mile, like historically it's what connected Edinburgh Castle to mm. Holyrood Palace. And it is a mile. And it's gosh, it's 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 like a street performers festival.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Um and you've got buskers you've got circus acts you've got performances you've and and you're getting flyered every single second mm. um if you do want to know what it's like for sure you can check out watching glory die road to Edinburgh. <laughs> there is an episode called royal mile but it, yeah. it you know it, it it's it's overwhelming yeah um like it's the entire street is just all blocked off like yeah. you know and it's all cobblestones and it looks like you know something from Harry Potter mhm uh, and um, J.K. Rowling wrote.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: A bunch of the books. Yeah. Like, sort of in that area, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of mm-hmm. Harry Potter merchandise mm-hmm. around there.
0: When I mean, one of the things like, when there's like three thousand shows, like how plus do you,
1: three thousand plus,
0: how do you make how do you get your show noticed in that? Like that's I think that's why. I've heard there's a lot of physical theater, a lot of circusy stuff that happens because that's one way to get people to notice you. Yeah. Because saying, can I tell you about my fringe show is not likely to get you any attention from people.
1: It's definitely the quality of your interaction Mm. over the quantity of your reaction Mm -hmm. because you could (laughs) hand out, say, a hundred flyers, but they're all just maybe going to go in the recycle. Yeah. Hopefully the recycle, save Mm -hmm. the environment, but... You know, having an actual conversation with someone that actually means they might come to your show. Mm-hmm. So, that is one thing is quality over quantity. But yeah, there are a lot of kind of gimmicks, and who knows if they work. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of circus acts, a lot of oh, there's a lot of comedy shows, mm-hmm. which I think any fringe you're sure. going to see a lot of comedy shows because those are easy sells, much yeah. easier sells. Um, you know, having a show that's a drama. Yeah. It's a really harder. It's a much harder sell, especially one that is outside the country. So, yes, yeah. that was definitely something that uh, was was really about kind of exit flaring shows mm. and that shows that 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 audience um that show that was m- more similar perhaps mm-hmm. to the subject matter that your show was doing. Right. But that is the thing, though, is you are not unique at the Edinburgh Fringe. It's right. really hard to be unique because yeah. and and knowing that is is just a really good thing going there's you know 10,000 or well maybe about 10,000 <laughs> but there's say i don't know 1200 shows that are all comedy shows yeah there's actually probably more than that, but let's just use that number. So, how do you get your comedy show yeah. to stand out? How do you get your drama to stand out? And it is really about um, finding that hook. So, mm-hmm. I know uh, for us, it was a lot of Canadian work. Let's, let This is a show from Canada. This is a, based on a true story. Mm-hmm. This was um, uh, something that is it's about it's about the prison system, right? Yeah. Um, and that's a hard sell.
0: Did you find that that? Um saying that there's a, it's a Canadian show there was a bit of curiosity there or are they like oh Canada or whatever like cuz I know there's like the Canada Hub which is its own thing there yeah. as well
1: mm, which is great um I mean so I didn't do a lot of flyering mm-hmm. because I <laughs> I was podcasting You were
0: podcasting yes yeah
1: um but uh the Edinburgh Fringe is a super international fringe, right? Mm-hmm. So there are people from kind of from all over. Yeah. Um. I would say that the experiences I had were oh Canada.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So there was sort of a, oh that's great, um, and oh I'm not really aware of sort of what's going on there, or oh I have a brother who's in Canada. Oh, of course. Or yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, so so th- there was that sort of thing, or yeah. oh you're Canadian, not American. Um. <laughs> But actually, the thing that, that I found people were really quite intrigued by was that Canada wasn't perfect.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Canada had issues because watching Glory die is is, is about the 2007 um, homicide uh, of Ashley Smith, right. who is in the Grand Valley Correctional Centre. Mm. Uh, and she'd been there for five years. She'd had over a thousand hours of solitary and um, she had mental health issues that were not addressed properly. And the guards were told at that time, because she, um, she was tying ligature strips around her neck. And the mm. guards were told, she's only doing it for attention. You, I'm not going to allow you to go in until she's blue in the face. And she died. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because she strangled herself. Yeah. But it was ruled a homicide because the six guards were under orders to watch her and they watched her die. And it was a huge deal that it was ruled a homicide. (laughs) Um, And it really is. I mean, Judith Thompson herself called it a form of creative protest (laughs) uh, because this is still a massive issue in our prisons that, you know, solitary is still happening and it should not be happening. It does not do what it's there. It's supposed to do, you know, which is what is it supposed to do? You know? Um, So, uh, that was something that people went, oh, I really thought ca- like Canadian prison systems would be great. Cause they really have this idea of Canada as this really great country that we're doing great things mm. and we're kind of perfect. And so for us to kind of say, no, this is what the show is about. And this is what happened yeah. in a Canadian prison. Mm. They were kind of very much like, oh, I wouldn't expect that from Canada. So, I would say that was something that was interesting yeah. about how Canada as a country is viewed and, and how us as Canadians are viewed is still very much that sort of goodwill. Uh, we like Canadians. Um,
0: yeah.
1: A lot of the times, uh, I I would be, or all of us would be mistaken for Americans. And, uh, you know, when any Canadian who's abroad, you're like, no, I'm not an American. Yeah, of course, yeah. I'm a Canadian, man. Because we, we don't like it. Yeah. Um, because we know that the states are, rightly or wrongly, very much, you know, not thought well of.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, so every time I would say, oh, no, no, I'm Canadian, they go, oh, lovely.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you know like, I think that's why people, even Americans, put, like, Canadian flag or Canadian yeah. leaf on their backpack when they travel yeah. in, in Europe is because there's a... Uh, like, yeah. even just doing that, the people's demeanor changes. It's towards true. Yeah. There is
1: a difference. Yeah. So, that was, that was sort of when you were flying, um, people were surprised mm-hmm. that, that that was. And, and I think that that shows why that a show like Watching Glory Die mm-hmm. needs to exist. Sure. Yeah. Because it does need to highlight. It is that kind of form of creative protest mm-hmm. saying, no, this is happening and it needs to, it needs to be talked about. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I guess that would be the thing and that 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 idea of Canadian they go oh yeah. Canadian great but then sort of saying what the show was about was yeah. uh, was was an interesting sort of hook mm. to um to bring about but um um I would say though that it it's definitely hard though coming from out of <laughs> continent mm-hmm. because you don't know all of the people you don't mm-hmm. know all of the the press right you know whereas here you'd be able to go oh you need to talk to this person yes. this person yeah. this person so um the producing team had hired a PR company to mm-hmm. help them do that um and so our our, our producing uh, producer Kelly Daniels she um I think had a radio interview and she had a press interview and, and that so that was a huge thing was to be able to help kind of get that word out that way I've
0: heard that 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 you sort of need that at the Edinburgh Fringe yeah. in in the Canadian Fringes you can kind of it's an anomaly for somebody to have a PR person for their shows yeah. in an Edinburgh. I've heard that it's, it's almost necessary.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think so. Uh, again, because you do need to, so I just splashed water like in my <laughs> eye and, I'm kind of like, and I couldn't multitask and talk. the same <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, it is useful, especially I think as an out of town company mm-hmm. to have that. Um, I think I was talking to Derek Chua and he said that there was this one company that this one year that they had this, they spent a lot of money, like a lot of money and had ads on the sides of buses and stuff like that, um, to get yourself noticed. And, um, you know, I mean, it either did or didn't work. So, I mean, like, yeah, I I think it's fine. It's, it's spending the right amount of money Mm -hmm. on the right amount of PR and not kind of, you know, uh, wasting it and having the right amount. spots
0: yes yeah uh
1: yeah I still like you know it's still a bit of a mystery to me to be honest I mean it was so overwhelming to mm-hmm. just go in and um but I think that that is one of the things is that if you do want to bring a show to the fringe go the year before or two years you know mm-hmm. in a row yeah. just go because you really don't know what you're up against unless you've been yeah it was so overwhelming to to go and um but they they know that. And so there's the Fringe Center, so you can go and Fringe Central, and uh, you can take workshops there mm-hmm. You uh, on how to produce, on how to get your show noticed. You can print things there. You can staple things. Like, nice. it is a massive community. Mm. So that isn't um, – so, the, yeah, the Fringe community is, I think, something that – is the same fringes worldwide over is that you are all artists yes, there to yeah. create. And I think that was one thing that I didn't expect was mm. to kind of find a community. And, you know, I hung out a lot with the Canada hub,
0: yeah.
1: you know, kind of crew. And, and that was lovely to have like a Canadian sort of yeah. group uh, there, but um yeah, they know it's overwhelming. And so that they want to create this kind of sense of community and, and, and help you do uh, all the things mm. you can do. So when our luggage was lost, fringe was helping us mm-hmm. do that because mm-hmm. it's not the first time it's happened and we mm-hmm. weren't the only people that even happened to um so uh so yeah
0: do you uh i mean you talked to a number of people uh, a few people who'd done edinburgh before
1: mm-hmm.
0: um did that help in your expectations of what it would be did that help to set would you have right if you were taking a show to fringe this year would that have been enough for you or do you think that that
1: um no no okay no uh, no, you need to go. <laughs> you need to go and attend <coughs> and experience it because it is uh, like nothing I've mm. ever experienced in my entire life. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I talked to Derek Chua about it yeah. lots. Yeah. And he told me so many things. And even that was mm. not enough. And, and and he kept saying, it, it this this isn't even doing it justice. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to be overwhelmed. Yeah. And so I think just going, knowing you're going to be overwhelmed, but yeah, you definitely needed to go and experience right. it because there's just no way mm. that you could even prepare right. not having been mm. at all. Um, uh, yeah. It's, it's massive. Um, so yeah, you do need to talk to people a lot and just interview as many people as possible. And, and just, you know, they'll all say the same thing though, that, it's huge. It's mm-hmm. massive. It's overwhelming. Uh, it's fantastic,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and um, and it's and it's worth doing. Yeah. Um, but you have to go. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, mm-hmm.
1: I, I would even go so far as to say that you know it it, it was sort of life changing in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, just the things I learned and, and the way that I I I've started kind of thinking about theater since coming back
0: mm-hmm. has been really
1: different. Mm-hmm. Having just experienced two weeks. Yeah. Of it. I mean, I feel like I'm still processing it. Yeah. Hmm. Which is uh yeah, it's it's mad, but it's 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 kind of wonderful. Um I think I think just being exposed to that many international artists
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> all at once. Yeah. And seeing how a completely different system works.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and being able to kind of I think almost zone out hmm. of uh Toronto, you yeah. know. I mean Toronto, I love Toronto and I love the community that's here. And it's also very helpful, I think, to experience international art mm-hmm. and be out of my comfort zone yeah. and out of uh, where I kind of know sort of how it's how it's done yeah. and be plopped right in the middle of this entire massive other thing that I have no idea what's going on. It sort of made me a little more like, I guess, almost focused, I suppose. Yeah. And also that Toronto's not the be-all and end-all.
0: It's interesting because... Going to other fringes in Canada, there are things that are similar about about the Toronto Fringe. Like there are certain things that that run the same. You pay the you pay the same same level of fee. You don't have to pay. You don't have to, to to pay your venue directly yeah. unless you're BYOV. Um, flyering like all these things are basically the same. There are subtle differences. Some cities are not flyering cities. Some some cities don't line up. You learn all these mm-hmm. things as you go. But there are things that are the same throughout. Mm-hmm. Then when you go to to Edinburgh hmm There's a lot of those things that are different. The tricks that work when you're going across Canada to flyer people Mm-mm. are not going to work when you go to a place where there are 3,000-plus shows. Yeah, And so yeah. your your whole mindset has to change.
1: Massively. Yeah. It, it really does have to... It's so massively have to change. And you... Like, you have to know your product up, down, sideways, mm-hmm. and, you know, through the roof, which you do, I think, all the time. I think they're really good lessons just to have for theater creation. <laughs> yeah. I think to, and to operate on, I think that I always want to now operate on an Edinburgh fringe level. Right. Of, 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 of marketing and of clarity of thought. Mm -hmm. And, um, because I think that just makes your product better. Yeah. Um,
0: when you, when you say that, what does that, what does that look like in your mind? Like, like operating (laughs) on on an Edinburgh fringe level of marketing, for example, what does that look like? Still
1: figuring it out. Okay. Okay. But I think, um, uh, and this is just me personally. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's tons of people here in Toronto who are like, yes, mm-hmm. and they're already doing this. Uh, but this is, I guess, just how it affected me and how it changed how I look at it. But um, uh, how how far in advance you need to start planning?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess
1: so. I guess these are things like I knew in the back of my mind, <laughs> but now I'm like. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yes. and and yeah. having been a part of a machine, mm-hmm. I guess having been part of doing that yeah. was 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 also really helpful. So just doing it, mm-hmm. um, but um, like the coordinated kind of efforts of flying, and um, you know the, how you reach out to um, press mm-hmm. and, and things like that, um, and also uh, having a team um, yeah. that that does that, and you know the the. the the jobs that everyone has to do and just like how far in advance you need to start planning all of this Mm stuff. Um, I mean, again, as someone who just kind of figures out how to do things on the fly, Mm -hmm. um, this was a really great sort of experience for me to realize all the people I guess I'll say this, that the people that I look at in Toronto who are really successful and doing really well at doing yeah. that kind of stuff, I go, oh, they're doing all those things.
0: Yes, yeah, Yeah, okay. I got mm. you
1: now. Mm-hmm. So I think even just like as a learning ground for someone who is not um, – who's starting out and kind of figuring that out, it's a yeah. really great just – you know, trial
0: by fire. I think it's interesting the... Because, you know, thinking in terms of marketing, mm-hmm. in indie theater, especially when people are starting out, it's one of the last things people are thinking about. It happens it's, for Fringe. It happens when people are doing indie shows. Yeah. They don't think about marketing their show yeah. until, like, maybe four weeks before, oh, three weeks before, and it's too late. Like, yeah. Like, if you don't already have your poster, you know, really, before you start working on it, yeah. then you're, like, way behind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that, that that was just a really mm. a massive eye opener to be a part of, yeah. um, and to see that in Toronto that, like, again, like that stuff is happening here. Mm. I just, I just personally, <clears throat> um, had been, I guess, coming at this as an actor, learning to produce and, yeah. and have a company and stuff. I'm always focused on like th- creating the product, yeah, as opposed to selling the finished product, right? Um, and Uh, And so being a part of selling a product Mm -hmm. was really, really eye-opening. And looking at just how capitalistic
0: the
1: Edinburgh Fringe is um, just really made me much more, um, I guess also see how it could be done and how I could see myself doing it.
0: I don't think that the the capitalistic way of doing the, the Fringe is necessarily a bad thing. No. Because I think that a lot of times, and that's one of the reasons why I think we've a lot of indie producers forget until too late about the promotion is because they're, they're thinking I'm an artist. I don't – I don't, you know, my art will bring people and all that sort of thing. And then you have to start thinking about it. logistically. No way. We need people to come to see this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not thinking about it from the outset in a capitalistic way and how you're going to market it, you're mm-hmm. you're missing out. Like I know people who who do the fringe circuit. And when they're coming up with their con- – even their concepts, like Jillian English, for example – who like? Did <clears throat> you see her show?
1: Um. So I I, I met Jill mm-hmm. like gosh way back in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um. And I hadn't seen her in a, quite a while. And I was at Canada Hub in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And I turn around and there she is.
0: Yeah. And I was
1: like, Whoa! Yeah. So sorry. yes. Yeah, was she doing bear. She
0: Wolf? She must have been. I mean, sometimes she does. I, I don't remember which show she was doing. Can... Was she Ten Things I Hate About Tanning of the Shrew? Maybe.
1: I'm sorry, Jill. I can't remember sometimes which
0: one. she's doing more than one show. I so I think it was
1: mm-hmm. I think it was Drag Queen Stole My okay. Dress. Okay. I know that she was
0: bringing that one back up, Drag Queen Stole My Dress. But she doesn't like she was saying that like when she's thinking about what the show's gonna be before she writes it, she figures out which how she's gonna market it. Yeah. Which is kind of smart.
1: I think it's really smart, and I think that, that I think that, that goes also mm-hmm. into why are you doing the show and, and 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 what do people want to see? Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that uh, uh. When I was when I was actually having one of my um interviews with Michael Rubenfeld, mm-hmm. that's what he was talking about, and I was like, "Man, that's smart." So yeah. yeah, um, I yeah, I I think it's, I think it's something that has to happen, and it needs to happen, and I feel like I've had these conversations with so many people here, mm-hmm. like even in the last year, and just Edinburgh just was like, I don't know, it, it was just the the. The, the penny drop. So things mm-hmm. that things that I knew that I should be doing. and then being in Edinburgh really just was yes. like the last piece of the puzzle to go, oh, I see how I can do this. Yes, now. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: um, which is great., uh, and that just yeah, being in that massive maelstrom of mm-hmm. of chaos.
0: yeah. <laughs> and podcasting while you're while you're in the middle of it. If you had <laughs> not been doing that, would you have just been like <clears throat> one of the people flying? Yes. That would have been basically what you would have been doing?
1: Yes. Um, and I got way more out of it mm-hmm. doing a podcast because essentially I was also doing a show
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, at Fringe. And 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 it was a smart thing to have it because, you know, I people would say, oh, are you here with the show? And I'd say, yeah, um, I'm actually producing and hosting a podcast that is about the show. And that was something that people would go, oh, mm-hmm. interesting. And then they would want to, like, be on the show, essentially. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah of course.
1: So it, it was a good marketing tool. The so the thing is though is that I don't know how to market a podcast.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So that was a huge challenge that I wouldn't say that I necessarily cracked. Mm. Uh Yeah. Maybe I, steps.
0: Though I mean, in, in 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 essence, though, in this particular world of the show, you were not necessarily in control of of uh, uh, of all of the the marketing machine that you might. If it was your show, your your podcast, right? Because it was for a specific product, and they were more in control of how absolutely, everything got
1: yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I think that I mean, <clears throat> I, what I would say that I've I've sort of learned mm-hmm. is I think that podcasts are word of mouth for one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's people going, I really loved this content, so you yeah. have to start to think with good content. Sure, yeah, um, and then. Uh, you know, it's it's hopefully getting those people spreading that. Um, I I wouldn't say I still know how to get people to subscribe all the time or to get it out there and, and what goes viral and what doesn't. Yeah. And, um, it's really hard. Yeah. And I think that, I think that Edinburgh Fringe was a good subject. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's also who your audience is, and, mm. and I think that. Something that I wasn't really totally certain always was is my audience Edinburgh or mm-hmm. is it Canada? <clears throat> right. Um in the That's end, an excellent
0: question because yeah. when you're coming when you're coming with a show from Canada to Edinburgh and it's a promotional tool. Yeah. Like who is it who is it really for? And it's hard to say yeah. like how do you use that to promote a show in Edinburgh to Edinburgh yeah. when you're not there. And you can't necessarily talk, you don't, you haven't had a chance to talk to the people who might be interesting to the people in Edinburgh.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it was very much as, as I learned for good or ill, mm. but it, it really was, it became about <laughs> what I thought was interesting at the Edinburgh Fringe, <coughs> about, um, uh, my journey as, um, someone attached to the show experiencing the Edinburgh yeah. Fringe. Um, And so whether people found that interesting or not, who knows? But I think that you could actually listen to that podcast in preparation to go to the Edinburgh Fringe. You're probably not wrong. Because that's what I wanted to know was how do you produce at the Edinburgh Fringe? And I think I ended up learning a lot about producing that way Yeah, because I was talking to people who were Michael Rubenfeld yeah. and Derek Chua? <clears throat> so then I was also mm-hmm. talking to um, artists who were also producers mm-hmm. like Rebecca Perry. Yeah, who's fabulous to chat with, um, and then also just like some random people yeah. that I met. Like I, there was this. This I think I said. You know, there's this one <laughs> night that I was at the Canada Hub mm-hmm. party, and there, um, there was this. Uh, they were doing excerpts from. Canadian shows, which was great. So, shows like Blind Date, uh, which I got to see, which n- I hadn't seen in Canada, <coughs> but I saw it in Scotland. Nice, nice. Loved it. Amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but one of them was a show called um, La Galerie, which is by Machine du Cirque, mm-hmm. which is a Quebecois company. Mm-hmm. And it was a circus show. And I just... It was so cool. It was, they were stacking... the this pyramid of stacked boxes that mm-hmm. went very high in the air, let's say like, I don't know, 18 feet, something like that. And then these like guys, circus performers, were balancing on the very tippy Mm. top Mm. and climbing on top of each other. Mm. I swear I lost 10 years of my life (laughs) watching them. But I loved it. And Mm. I just went, wow, that's a a really cool show. I want to talk to those guys. And I was talking to Derek about it and he just said, well, you should interview them for the podcast. I went, you're right. I should. <laughs> and so I went herring off at this party to try and find these two guys. Mm-hmm. And I went out to like the patio, went back into the theater, went out to the street and I couldn't find them. Um, Nathaniel Barnett, who is, plays Glory and watching mm-hmm. Glory die, she was helping me. And I'm just looking for these guys and I couldn't find them. And uh, so I kind of went, ah, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking with Derek and some of the people from Second City who, who were mm-hmm. also doing shows there. And all of a sudden, Derek says, Blythe, they're over there, going into the patio, red shirt, go. <laughs> so I turned to the people I was talking to, and I was like, I'm so sorry, I have to go. And I ran, I burst mm-hmm. out onto the the patio, and they're like right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm out of breath, and I just went... Hi, can I accost you?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and these poor guys just look at me like, and they went, uh, yes. <laughs> and so I just, you know, mm. out came the story of yeah. me podcast and can I interview you? Yeah. And they said, yes. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I ended up, uh, going in and chatting with them and, and, uh, and that, and that was a really cool perspective yeah. that I wouldn't have ever thought I was going to get. Yeah but it was really cool to see how i mean they were performers they weren't producers but they they've been touring with this show yeah um and how does a circus show yeah go to to fringe yeah. um ironically uh adam strom is australian <clears throat> and antoine oh i'm sorry i can't remember his last name he's from france mm. but they're in a quebec show
0: okay why not
1: why not um so it was really cool but also mm. getting like but that was cool though because they're they're trained in Canada and they're in a Canadian show, mm. but they're from well Australia and yeah. know, France so Europe, um, and sort of what their their view of a, of Canadian shows mm. and also like Edinburgh Fringe and so right. yeah, it was it was just like mm. a really interesting kind of perspective that um, I just thought was interesting. Yeah. So that became what the podcast. Of course, about. I
0: mean, in in essence, all you can do is like talk to people and talk about things that you yeah. think are interesting. I hope that other people find them interesting too. Yeah. that's all you can. That's all you can do.
1: Yeah, um, and I mean, everyone likes to be asked to be on a podcast, sure, and to be interviewed. I, I don't think anyone is like, oh no.
0: Nobody's ever said no to me, right? Nobody's ever said no. I've I've asked people occasionally. I've asked people that I thought for sure were
1: mm-hmm. like,
0: there's no way that this person is going to come on my podcast, and they have. So like, nobody's going to say no.
1: No. At all. Uh, so I think that, that was also just something that I learned in terms of a yeah. confidence booster as well. It was just like, just ask yeah. anybody anything. Yeah. You know?
0: Would you do a podcast again?
1: <laughs> uh-huh. I've answered this once before. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I'm just curious if your answer had changed. Because I think that your answer in the last episode of of watching glory die was something along the lines of maybe or we'll see what happens or something like that has that answer changed
1: um no you know it's interesting it's interesting i guess coming out of like it really was very discombobulating mm-hmm. coming back from from um from Europe Mm -hmm. also because that had just been my life yeah for quite a bit you know I mean literally my routine was (laughs) get up at I don't know nine or Mm ten um finish whatever I hadn't finished the night before Mm -hmm. or very early that morning um so editing Mm -hmm. and uh getting and then going out doing whether it was sightseeing or it was doing stuff for the show or interviewing or whatever, come back, do more editing, whether that was 2 AM after a party. Mm-hmm. And then I'd fall asleep with the earbuds in my ears. Uh, <laughs> um, and then wash, rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know taking pictures and stuff and, and, just thinking about content. So, I mean, when I came back, it was really weird to not be doing that yeah. because, uh, you know, I, would just been doing it for so long. So, I feel like in some respects I do kind of miss it, mm. um, um, and and I and it was a really good way of I think navigating a, a community and and and, mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing. So, I my answer is this: is yes, I would, um, but not by myself. Okay, uh, because I think that way lies madness, and my life mm-hmm. is pretty busy anyway yes yeah so to yeah. add that onto it would would um would be challenging mm-hmm. but i do think it's i do think that it is really cool sort of that idea about talking about producing yeah. and and um and and not everyone gets to talk about that and yeah. sort of and, and that sort of way and and also I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm constantly trying to learn how to produce. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's like a lifelong thing, right? Um, You're always finding new things. So I don't know. If my journey would be interesting to people Mm -hmm. learning how to produce, um, and if people could learn from that, then yes, I would do Mm -hmm. that.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. But
1: I wouldn't do it by myself. I would like to think to do it where, you know, maybe it was one episode a month, Uh and maybe other people did other things on it.
0: That's fair. That's fair.
1: So so I think my answer is probably still the same. Okay. But I think that that is maybe significant in and of itself that yes. it hasn't changed that I was like, oh, you know.
0: You haven't been like, never again.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I also, uh, Zoomy is mine mm-hmm. now, uh, which was great yep. because um, they were like, you did a lot of work on this. And so um, they ended up just, they ended up giving me all Ooh, the equipment. Nice. Which was great.
0: So now you have it. It's I yours, do. and uh, yeah, it would be a shame to let it go to waste. I'll it would.
1: Say that. I mean, I, I did. <laughs> is, is that a gentle hint? No, no, there, no.
0: I just like, you <laughs> take that, take that. However, however you want, but like, it's just, just, a, just a statement. Is what that is.
1: <laughs> a statement. Yes. I, I will take that statement. <laughs> uh, however, it, it, however, it shall end. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I have used it though, because I did have a voice cake that I nice. needed to record. Um, that's coming out I think this month or next month. Um, and that was really great. Nice. So I definitely used it. Um but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All, right. All right. I don't know. We'll 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 see. You wanna do another podcast, Phil?
0: <laughs> In addition to the second one I already do?
1: What's the second one you do?
0: I have one for introverts. It's called the Introverts Guide Two and it's coming back. As we record this on Thursday, so no yeah, way. Yeah,
1: I didn't. Maybe it's because I'm not an introvert that maybe. I don't know about.
0: I have a couple. I know a couple of people who are not introverts, and they listen to it almost in an anthropological way. <laughs> They're like, "I need to understand these introverts." And meanwhile, we're over. We're over on our side being like, "What are extroverts?" And so, like, I don't know. Maybe we'll have an, intro, an extrovert on our podcast at some point. But that's, a, that's another topic entirely
1: hilarious um yeah you know we'll we'll see we'll see but Mm -hmm. it was it was an interesting foray into the world of podcasting um and i mean if cbc wants to hire me that's great yeah
0: yeah
1: i do i do it for cbc oh
0: sure like why wouldn't you for cbc (laughs) cbc comes along of course you're going to
1: right yeah Uh (laughs) uh-huh um but uh yeah it was kind of funny I, I will say, actually, mm-hmm. though, disclaimer, I didn't end up doing every single day mm-hmm. because something I also learned <clears throat> was when when to say what your limits are,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because it was really stressful yeah. doing an episode every single day. Yeah. Um, and uh, I communicated that. To, uh, to the team and they were wonderful and they were so supportive and really great. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little nuts. Yeah. Um, so, uh, cause I, I left Edinburgh on, I think the four, um, 13th or mm-hmm. whatever of, of August. And then, um, myself and, and my friend, we went and traveled for a week. So yeah. we went and did, um, you know, Ireland and Germany um, so I said for that week, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like I'm not, um, cause technically the internship was done the 12th of August. Yeah. I said, I'm just not. And they were like, that's fair. Mm-hmm. So I think I released two episodes while I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was there. Um, and so I, so I was kind of, you know, on trains yes. editing and, and then in a hostel. <laughs> doing you know one of my tag-ins or whatever yeah. um so i think that that was a huge thing as well is knowing what your boundaries are and sort of and Absolutely. being able to articulate those, yeah. those and say i can't do that that's too much yes yeah uh, and then also and then realizing that you know your, your teams are going to support you mm-hmm. um through that so i didn't end up doing all of those um and then the when i came back uh there were i think i don't know the last week of yeah. august there was or the last week of fringe mm-hmm. to the 26th there there were episodes that went out so um so i was kind of podcasting from from canada but that mm-hmm. was that was a huge thing as well to kind of go i actually do need a vacation
0: yes yeah
1: um which was which was huge so yeah. uh so yeah disclaimer mm-hmm. didn't do every single day. no but i
0: mean in, in a certain point of view from a certain point of view like you're if you're if your gig is technically over like yeah that's it like yeah. Anything you do after you did after that date is uh, is uh, is extra value.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, it, it, in the end, it was just it was just too hard to mm-hmm. bank. Uh. I mean, how many episodes? Like two weeks essentially of episodes mm-hmm. while I was also doing anyway. While you were
0: but, also traveling, yeah.
1: Well, well, even just like in Edinburgh, yes. Like bank two weeks of episodes in two weeks.
0: Yes. While I was yeah.
1: banking for those two weeks, yes. if that makes any sense. It does.
0: It does. It's a lot. It
1: was two A daily
0: too, yeah. podcast is a lot. I mean, people who do daily shows on the radio, they're, they have a team behind them. Somebody who does a daily podcast while also learning how to produce and doing all the th- that stuff in Edinburgh, that's not possible to do, like, every day.
1: No, and doing just the amount of, like, research and yeah. stuff. So, I mean, I think it's something, like, like we all learned mm-hmm. on that producing team that, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, and and they, they were wonderful. You know, they're like, we don't want you to die. Mm-hmm. We want you to have fun. We want yeah. you to go out. So, like, make this work for you, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. was really, really lovely and so fantastic that that I had that support nice. as well. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, if anyone does want to listen to it, it does exist mm-hmm. still. Um, uh, you know, there's episodes... You, That were once a week for June and July and uh, (laughs) you'll notice differences as I go along and how I learn how to do all of this stuff.